We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers. In case you missed the beginning of the pregame show against the Clippers, two very big events are taking place in Hollywood on Sunday night. First, the Knicks are taking on the Los Angeles Lakers at Crypto.com Arena. And then across town at the Chinese Theater, the 95th Academy Awards are going to take place. And while stars like Tom Cruise and Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh and Brendan Fraser and this movie, everything, everywhere, all at once is probably going to make history and Hollywood will celebrate its achievements in film and the movies. The Knicks and... Oh boy, are the vibes very different than they were a week ago. Uh, the Knicks will look to overcome what feels like a giant Will Smith smack to the vibes because Jalen Brunson is probably not going to play. And uh, what was so high about a week ago, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski basically went on ESPN and said that uh, what we've all been thinking, at least what I've been assuming this all time, is that the Knicks are going to give Jalen Brunson the rest of this road trip off and then those three days are going to be important uh, after the road trip, and then you'll see him at MSG either next Saturday against Denver, or you'll see him next Monday against Minnesota. So these Knicks that are running on fumes that have lost three straight games, um, a Julius Randle who is resort re- reverting, I should say, to to old habits, um, a team that really could use a day off, not a back to back in LA. Uh, we'll look to take on a Los Angeles Lakers team that is on the come up and eight and three in their last 11. Um, the number one defense since the trade deadline, uh, a win away from 500. And joining me to talk about it in just a second is Trevor Lane of the very popular podcast and YouTube channel, Lakers Nation. Uh, Trevor was great. Uh Came on a Saturday night after I was in the city all day for the watch party. And I want to say this before we get to the conversation with Trevor. To every single one of you that showed up at our watch party today at Penn 6, thank you so much. That was just a ton of fun. I I joked around the Misery Loves Company line. But um, like Benji, when he um, turned his phone back on on Saturday and he asked us how it went... 
I said, like, I got to be honest, we were doing a raffle at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So while the Knicks let the game slip away, uh, I kind of didn't care because we were celebrating with you guys and, you know, doing something fun. And uh, it makes these types of experiences suck less, but also, you know, kind of worth it. So thank you to everybody that came up and, and thanked us. Um, I'd say you're welcome, but this community doesn't exist without you guys tuning in and watching and supporting. And hopefully it involves a win when we do one of these things in the future. Uh, but shout out to, to all of you for coming. Shout out to John and Mensa and Jeremy for, for coming. And, and obviously Jeremy for, for setting up this whole thing and creating it. Um, but thank you to everybody that came to Penn 6. Hopefully we could do another one. And like I said, hopefully it's for a victory. Okay, let's get into this conversation I had with Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation previewing this matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers. Enjoy. Joining me now here on the Knicks Film School pregame show. Well, the Knicks are staying in Los Angeles for another matchup against the Los Angeles basketball team. Uh, this one. Uh, might actually match the Knicks. In fact, I would argue exceeds the Knicks in popularity, especially when you factor in the the uh, global total of Laker fans that exist in the world and also the amount of Laker fans that no matter what I have to say about a member of the Lakers ends up in my mentions. Um, I am very excited to welcome on to the show uh, the host of the Laker Nation podcast, uh, Lakers Nation podcast, um, also the front office show, uh, Trevor Lane, welcome to the Knicks Film School Podcast, sir. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Ex excited to do this and uh, looking forward to talking a little, little Knicks versus Lakers. Should be a great matchup. So let's start there. The, the great matchup of Knicks versus Lakers. Now, for those that you watch on YouTube, I put the records of the teams um, at the bottom of the screen so you can see where both teams are. And yet... The Knicks are missing their best player, Jalen Brunson. We're recording this a mere hours after a tough loss to the Los Angeles Clippers. I have no idea what a back-to-back -back in LA is going to look like, especially with how gassed one of their best players that is available is currently looking. Um, and some other question marks I have with the team. And then I look at the Lakers. And since the trade deadline, they're 8-3. and three. Um, well, the day after the trade deadline, I should say, because they played on the night of the ninth. They're eight and three. And during that stretch, they have the best defense in the NBA, the 10th best net rating. They even lost LeBron and it really hasn't seemed to hurt them from my perspective. So I guess I'll ask you, despite being 33 and 34, is this the best the Lakers have felt from a fan perspective this season? Oh, 100%. This is the best they felt for two seasons. Uh, easily. Oh, last wow. season, last season, we called it, we largely called it the most miserable season in Lakers history. That was an absolute season of brutality, a grind that nobody enjoyed. Um, this season was, eh, it was kind of up and down. We were right in the roller coaster for a while there, but it really is, it, you almost have to look at it like it's two different teams. What they, what we've seen pre trade deadline and post, I mean, six new players came in. So it practically is. A completely different team. The way they play, the energy they play with, the urgency, uh, the starting lineup is vastly different. Everything has changed. So it, it it was almost like the start of a new season for the Lakers. And all the stuff that happened before the trade deadline is a completely different iteration of the team. So a lot of this, you know, from the from the analytical side, we're trying to on the fly figure out what essentially a brand new team is about. This is almost like we've restarted the season here. So far, they've been they've been looking great. They've been winning games. They've been um, finding ways to get wins. Whereas 
prior to the trade deadline. Frankly, they were finding ways to lose games late. We had a number of times where they were up six with a minute 30 to left or something, and they would go into overtime and lose or something like that. This team is finding ways to get the job done, finding ways to win games. Different guys are stepping up each night. And uh, Lakers fans, for the first time in a while, are, are having a lot of fun watching this team. So and that's been great from our, our perspective, getting to see something that uh, that's enjoyable and has felt like like Lakers basketball again. Yeah, the the night of the deadline, when we were doing our reactions and looking at the rest of the league and what they did, it's honestly what you said. I looked at what the Lakers moves meant and I, I likened it to the 2018 Cavaliers and all the moves they did at their deadline. Ironically, both trying to maximize LeBron James's window and it was a reset. It was again, the start of a second season. And I'm, I'm very fascinated by how long this continues. Cause it's so far seemed to work. Um, as far as the rest of the season and how it's gone, how it had gone up until then, would you, is it fair to say that you would characterize it as we were all kind of waiting to see what the move would be? Was, was a lot of the coverage this season like, yes, they're, they're struggling. Yes, from the, the X's, from the, from the number standpoint, it's not looking great, but they have moves in them. So we'll be patient. Yeah. I mean, I don't think patient wouldn't really be the word. There were, you know, okay. Lakers fans <laughs> in, in general were, were, Hoping for a trade. And, and there was, of course, constantly going back to, well, would they have been, been better off just trading for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald right. the night before media day? We have a lot of sourcing on that, that that was available for them to do the night before media day. If they wanted to, they chose not to. Instead, going into the season with the roster as is. But the roster build didn't make sense. The the roster, we were saying it all the way back from July that there there had to be moves coming. The roster was built as though Russell Westbrook wasn't on the team. And so it just it the roster never made sense. We we had games where Austin Reeves was playing power forward because they didn't have any other players. They were just they had all guards on the team, and it just it was a mess. Um, and, and they were able to fight through through stretches. We saw LeBron play at an MVP caliber level for a stretch. We saw Anthony Davis play at an MVP caliber level for a stretch. But of course, they also suffered a number a number of injuries. So um, the first you know whatever it is three fourths of the season uh, up until the trade deadline was. It was a roller coaster where they would have one good game where shots were falling and they looked pretty good. And then the next game they would lose. It was one step forward, one step back. They started the season two and 10 and they could never quite make up for that terrible start. They were just kind of constantly hovering there, just trying to tread water while they were waiting for a move to come in and something to provide balance to the roster. And I think that's that's what they did at the trade deadline. The question now becomes, was it was it too late into the season? Had they done so much damage already? that they're not going to be able to dig their way out. And that's what we're all kind of, you know, scoreboard watching and everything, everything else about right now. That's a perfect segue to my next question, because I was going to ask you about the scoreboard watching and not necessarily the other teams, because obviously like the Clippers are in there, the late, the Warriors are in there, the, the uh, Timberwolves are in, are in there. And it's not necessarily like what teams are you looking out for? I more look at what's in your own control and where the Lakers are now at 33 and 34. Is there a specific seed that you see that they need to get to or just more particularly, you feel comfortable that they get to, they can make a legitimate run in the playoffs. I mean, really with where they're at, it's just where can you get to and just be healthy? If you can get like, if LeBron doesn't come back this season, which we don't know, he's going to get reevaluated in a few weeks. There's you know some optimism that he can come back and report saying he's doing everything he can. But if LeBron doesn't come back, then that, that's probably that, right? They're not going to go deep into the playoffs or, or anything like that. 
if LeBron comes back, then whatever seed they're in, whether it's the 10 seed, whether it's the five seed, I think they can make some noise. Obviously, you would prefer to be uh, if you're in the plane, you prefer to be the the seven or eight seed simply because then you're in double elimination. And, and ideally, you don't even deal with that. And you get up to the six seed. It won't be easy. You've got a number of teams you have to leapfrog. But the general sense is just get in, get in and, and then work from there and uh, and hope that you have a healthy roster at that point. And then you can can show your stuff. And look, with how far behind they were. If they're able to get in, that means the run that they that they went on post trade deadline would suggest that they're a, a significantly better team than what their record would would suggest they actually are. So um, I think there would be optimism because of that, because they're going to have to play basketball at a much higher level than a typical, say, nine seed would in order just to get into the play and because they were playing from so far behind. And again, that two and ten start. So that's that's where we're at right now is just get yourselves in, be healthy. And then see where the where the chips fall. Obviously, though, the preference being move up if you can. So a couple of days ago, I talked to Brendan Nunez, who covers the Kings for uh, for Blue Wire and for the the Kings Herald, and he painted a nightmare scenario where the Kings get the two seed and the Lakers are waiting for them in the first round. And obviously, there's that 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 rivalry that exists. Um, if I had to ask you the dream scenario for the first round, obviously you'd like to get as high as you can. And as the Lakers currently sit one game and the loss column out of the five seed at the moment. But if the basketball gods were to set us up as, as, as far as I'm concerned on the outside, looking in at an entertaining first round matchup with a lot of history attached to it of Lakers Kings in the first round, what is the Laker fan base, uh, reaction and and expectation going to be going into that series. Yeah, I mean I think that the that that's one of the teams that most Lakers fans that I've been talking to have been targeting saying that's a team we would like to see while recognizing that the Kings have been fantastic. I don't mm-hmm. think the Lakers would be the favorite in that series or anything like that, but just in general if you've got a team with some veteran players on it like LeBron like Anthony Davis, you probably want to go up against a team that doesn't have that kind of, of playoff experience and so the Kings make sense. As a, as a preferred opponent, I've heard people say Memphis as well. Most most fans just say, look, don't, don't give us Denver round one. Don't give us Phoenix in round one with a healthy Kevin Durant. Let's go up against a team that maybe is not so experienced in, in the postseason and then and go from there. So um, what's interesting, though, is you, you mentioned the, the rivalry. That was a big thing 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think to Kings fans, it might still be. I've had a lot of Lakers fans cheering for the Kings this year. And part of it is. Huh. Frankly, over the last like week or so, th- there's been a number of games where the Lakers needed the Kings to win. Okay, but there isn't there isn't a lot of animosity amongst Lakers fans. I've noticed towards uh, towards the Sacramento Kings anymore. It's it's interesting. And I I know that's part of it is the Kings haven't made, made the playoffs in so long. Um, so it's I've seen actually a lot of Lakers fans kind of rooting for for Sacramento, which is a it's a, a drastic change from where we were a few decades ago. So it's very much the John Hamm in uh, Mad Men meme where the guy in the elevator says to him, I feel sorry for you. And John Hamm responds, I don't think about you at all in, <laughs> in that sense, um, which is interesting. Uh, I want to talk about some of the players on the roster and more in particular for Knicks fans that don't get a chance to watch every Lakers game, although it does seem like every Lakers game is nationally televised. I am um, so lost at what the rotation currently is because you've had a lot of players in and off the roster. So 
I'm assuming AD is obviously going to play. Um, if you can give uh, Knicks fans an idea of what the the rotation and, and more in particular the new additions, how they've looked and what the closing lineup is going to look like. I know I just threw a lot at you to, to throw into an answer, but uh, who should Knicks fans be paying attention to that's going to make an impact in the game in this matchup? So that what they're going to start, obviously, with, with LeBron being out, Troy Brown Jr. has been in the starting lineup in, in his place, and he's done well shooting the ball, um, just kind of making quiet but important plays, you know, a steal here, a good defensive rotation there, hitting a three, things like that. Um, you've got and then D'Angelo Russell starts at the, at the point guard, Malik Beasley starting at, at the two, Jared Vanderbilt's at the four, and Anthony Davis is at the at the five. Uh, Beasley's the guy to kind of keep an eye on. He has not shot well in the month of March. Uh, part of that we attribute to LeBron being out. He's a kind of a spot up shooter. He can come off of curls and things like that, but he, I think has been very negatively impacted by LeBron not being on the floor. So Beasley's the guy to look, look out for. He, sh- I mean, we've been saying he's due to break out of this shooting slump for a while now, uh, has not shot well, has actually lost minutes the last couple of games because of it. Um, so we'll see what he can do shooting the basketball. Uh, D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell was was fantastic uh, in their last game. He was was absolutely tremendous, instrumental in getting the win over the Raptors. Dropped 28 points, got hot, uh, really played to the L.A. crowd. So that's another guy to keep an eye on. Fans are fired up about him. Of course, Anthony Davis, he had a very quiet night against the Raptors, only had eight points. So he's going to be looking for a bounce back. Not going to be easy against our old friend Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson, mm. of course. Um, and then from there... The closing lineup tends to shift depending on who's playing well. Typically, you're probably going to see Austin Reeves in the mix. He's been replacing Beasley in the lineups there. We've also seen a decent amount of Dennis Schroeder, who's actually played very well in fourth quarters. He can be uh, a little bit hot and cold earlier in the game, but fourth quarters, he's been performing very well on both sides of the ball. So he's been getting into the mix as well uh, in crunch time. But Darvin Ham has been mixing it up just depending on what matchups are working and what's they don't have a, a quote unquote death lineup like the Warriors of old did, where they just had a group that they went to every single game. Um, they don't really have that. They kind of mix and match depending on on their opponent. But um, that's the starting group off the bench. Austin Reeves has been been great for them. Uh, he's been doing some some wonderful things out there. Again, Schroeder's coming off the bench now as well. And then Rui Hachimura seems to have found his groove the last couple of games after being cold for uh, probably about five or six before that. So he's another guy to to keep an eye on. Um, the matchup most Lakers fans are, are really watching, it's uh, it's Isaiah Hartenstein against Wendell Gabriel. Wendell Gabriel mm-hmm. now thrust into the main backup minutes at the center position with the loss of Mo Bamba to a high ankle sprain. I think he's done for the regular season, four weeks. He'll be reevaluated. And Wenyon is 6'9", like 210. Mm-hmm. So, and he's he brings a lot of energy but there's definitely going to be a size discrepancy there. So that's going to be uh, a real one to keep an eye on too, to see can the Knicks take advantage of the, the size that Hartenstein's going to have over one I can already kind of predict it that the way the Knicks use Hartenstein, it'll be a lot at the top of the key as yeah. a, as a DHO distributor or more to take advantage of his passing ability, which might actually favor a, smaller defensive lineup where I think that's going to kill the Lakers is on the offensive boards. The Knicks are yes. an elite offensive rebounding team. The other night against Sacramento, that's literally what brought them back in the game. They had 22 offensive rebounds and 17 uh, extra possessions as a result. So I think that would be where that matchup could favor the Knicks. But uh-huh. um, yeah, I'm curious to see the, this new look Laker team. Um, I don't mean to. So I'm going to, I'm going to, 
let me actually lead with this. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a laugh first before okay. I, I ask you some Russell Westbrook questions. Um, <laughs> All right. So earlier in the year when AD was playing out of his mind and just to give you an idea of how the Knicks season has gone for a lot of us in the fan base, the Donovan Mitchell summer happened. They don't get him. Originally, it was like there actually was like a, a good portion of the fan base that was like, thank God this isn't the time to fully go all in on something. This isn't the team yet. We have no idea what Julius is. I'd like to see what RJ Barrett is in year four. I have no idea what Jalen Brunson is. And I'd like to, to wait until you pull the trigger on a move like that. While a lot of things have moved a step forward, the RJ Barrett thing has taken a step back. And what has not gone away and probably won't go away, no matter how successful this next season goes is who's the guy who are we trading for? Who's the big star that they're going to go all in for and watching AD earlier in the season. I mean, look, the way the Lakers season was going and you get some of the tea leaves, whether they were credible or not, it was like maybe AD could be a thing sure. that they use to, to, um, to, to upgrade the roster. And there were Knicks fans like, no, he gets hurt. I don't think I want AD. And I was very adamant. Like if that's the, the argument, I can't fight you. From an ability standpoint, he's a top seven or eight player when he's on the floor. And I, I guess I'm curious with Lakers fans at as this season has gone on, and obviously LeBron and and this this injury that he had and and the setback that he had, the um I still don't know how he played the rest of the game against Dallas or if he even if he made it worse. But as far as Anthony Davis is concerned and how he's now had to carry the team, do Laker fans, like how patient are they with the fact that he just has had some really bad injury luck um, and they've kind of invested long-term in this guy? Or is there like a contingent of the fan base that's like, figure it out, you're eventually going to need to upgrade him? Or to, I guess the final part of this multiple part question is like, is he their guy? Like, it's like, you know what? He gets hurt, but when he's here, he's our guy. And we trust him when he's able to play. And hopefully he's able to play in big playoff games. That's that's all very much up in the air. And that's one of the subplots here to okay. the closing games of this season here has been. And this was one of the, the storylines heading into the season was, is Anthony Davis that guy? Is he because he's been hurt so often? Um, and again, there's, you know, he gets the whole street clothes nickname and all that kind of stuff. And there's plenty of other players who have actually been hurt more and missed more games than him. But nonetheless, he's got this this reputation for being hurt. And some of it is, is deserved. He's been injured quite a bit. Um, and so going into this season, we said this is, you know, AD, he's 29, just turned 30. Happy birthday, Anthony Davis. Um, oh, yeah. Friday and night. Right. That's right. Um, so we'll see what kind of shape he's in um, for the for the <laughs> game on Sunday. But um, Anthony Davis. This at this point, this is it, right? Like if he's he was brought in to be the guy, LeBron's ready to pass the torch. Anthony Davis, this is your team. Go, right? And we haven't really seen that. We saw Anthony Davis when they won the championship in 2020. He hit a different level. He was incredible. He was MVP caliber. He was fantastic. And then he didn't hit that level for two seasons. And he already set that bar so high. And the questions were, can he get back to that point? Or not. And that was, you know, one of the big storylines coming into the season. We've seen him hit that level of play a few times. He's been at that level um, the last couple of weeks here. But again, that injury question is still there. So I think for Lakers fans, it comes down to can Anthony Davis get them into the playoffs over these next few weeks? Can he get them into the playoffs as the guy, as the one A, as the superstar? Can he get them into the playoffs and give LeBron a chance to come back in and make some noise? And if the answer is yes, and he keeps playing this way and he stays healthy 
then I think that's going to create a lot of faith amongst Lakers fans, amongst the Lakers front office in AG moving forward. The answer is no. He picks up another injury. It starts playing poorly, something like that. Then I think things become a bit more questionable. I'm not saying that they move him this summer or anything. I don't think that's their intention, but it's something they have to start considering if it's the, if they just decide, you know what, he can't stay on the floor because they're, they need somebody who can be in there every single game or at least most games. I know in today's NBA load management and all that, um, they're not going to play every single night, but you need somebody who can be out there. He's, he's fantastic when he's healthy, when he's at a hundred percent, he's absolutely incredible, but the injury thing is real and fans are frustrated with that. And so there's a lot riding on the next few weeks beyond just whether or not they make the playoffs. Yeah. And the look, it's obvious to say that if, if he was with a paired with a younger LeBron, this would probably yeah. not even be a, an issue because LeBron and his, uh, uh, Superman like tendencies to play as many games as he possibly can and not really suffer a serious injury um, were a, a, a plus. It's why Dwayne Wade was kind of able to load manage a lot. It's why Kyrie missed a ton of times, a uh, ton of time during his time uh, as LeBron's teammate in Cleveland. And um, I, I do have to ask the question as I know we're focusing on this season. Speaking of Kyrie, um, what is the Laker fan expectation for this summer? Is it like, He's tried to go to LA multiple times. He's we are expecting him to be a Laker next season. I don't want to get into how Laker fans like feel about Kyrie because as yeah. a Knicks fan who had so many Nets fans, well, not Nets fans in my life, but just like the Nets story <laughs> happening right. uh, sure. across town. I I just I don't want to have that conversation anymore. But is that the expectation for Lakers fans that like we get through this season, we get as good as we can, and then Kyrie's coming? There's a fear that that's the path that we're on. Okay. There's a definite fear that that's that that's what's what's happening here. Um, because the team has been so much fun over the last few weeks, particularly in particular, and a lot of people see, and myself included, see the current makeup of the team as being not a like for like comparison, but being a more similar roster construction to the title team from 2020, mm. and how disastrous things went with Russell Westbrook with a three star roster build. There is a lot of the fan base does not want to go back to a three-star roster build and which that's that's what it would be if you went and got Kyrie. Um, there's a lot of acknowledgement that he's an incredibly talented player. He fits much better than Westbrook ever did with LeBron and Anthony Davis. There's no question there. And so, you know, what does it cost you to get him? Is it something where you have to clear the decks and sign him in free agency and let everybody go? Or is it like a double sign-in trade and then you're dealing with the hard cap and, and all of that? But most Lakers fans want this team to stay intact, the current mm. team not to go chase Kyrie. That's interesting because I guess the, the only fascinating part for me with that is I, I understand he has the tendency to uh, leave, leave a mess where he right. uh, ends up going, we'll call it. Um, and if you were to leave Dallas after they, they kind of went all in on trading for him, um, he would leave a mess in Dallas to an extent. Um, but to your point, um, this would, I don't know if it doesn't necessarily be a carbon copy of the Russ team, because I do think Kyrie at this point is better, obviously, but also sure. like what you're bringing, what you're giving up to get him is cap space. Like there's no other assets that are involved, like a Kuzma and what he's become like KCP and what, I mean, he's more of a, a 
the, the definition of a role player, but like you couldn't then afford Kuzma, uh, uh, Caruso as a result. Um, and I look, I, I very much appreciate that Laker fans are okay with like a much more well built out roster as a result than inviting that. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and Protein Plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheap, but meals are ready quicker than restaurants 
restaurant delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. I've gone back and forth on Westbrook this season. Um, honestly, the last two years have kind of been a uh, an internal um, introspection on how I've talked about this player because he's clearly started to speak out recently of like, stop talking about my name. And I do ad- admit that there's some national media that are going for the, the punchline and for the joke and the attention mm-hmm. that may have gone a little too far disrespectfully. Um, add in the fact that uh, Fred Katz, who covers the Knicks for the Athletic, covered Russ for a bunch of years when he was in OKC, also then covered Russ in Washington when he moved to cover the Wizards. And now he's covering the Knicks. And I hear all of these Russ stories about how great he is and how like likable he was yeah. and um, how clutch he was during his MVP season. And it's like giving me more of an appreciation And then I look at what the Lakers were the last two seasons and how it became uh, just a a very clear without like knowing anything behind the scenes that there's just so much like dissension and tension between him and the rest of the team. If, if you could summarize what the Russell Westbrook experience was for the last year and a half, um, how would you do so? It's, it's essentially when we talk about Russell Westbrook and we talk about his relationship with fans and, and all of that, we're really talking about three key things. And we're talking about Russell Westbrook, the human being. Mm-hmm. And most most people, you talk to me, like you said, you, you, you talk to most people and they say he's a great guy. He does great things in the community. You talk to players around the NBA. They frequently name him as one of, if not the best teammates they've ever had. And so there's that aspect of it. And you go, man, this, this guy's great. We, we love this guy. This guy's fantastic. This is the kind of guy you want to root for. This is the kind of guy you want to get behind. But then there's these other two aspects that you got to discuss. And that's what Russ brings you on the floor right now, which is it's not what he used to be. And in today's game where we're talking so much about efficiency and so much about, you know, percentages and turnovers and and all that sort of stuff um, that it's not favorable for, for him. There are ways that he can be successful in the NBA still, but you have to very carefully tailor a lineup around him. And the juice probably isn't worth the squeeze anymore at this point to to build a team around Russell Westbrook. You're having to sacrifice a lot of other things in order to amplify what it is that that he does. And at one point in time, it was worth it to do that. And you, were, you would win games by doing so. If you look at his OKC days, but that's no longer the case. So there's there's that part of it where can Russ still fit into a team structure in today's NBA? I think he can. But the third piece that really gets that gets mixed into all of this was his contract mm. at $47 million. Essentially his contract was so large that it was preventing the Lakers or, or whoever else would have had that contract from building out a proper team around him. And so then you essentially need Russ to be that MVP level player in order to give you the kind of bang for your buck that you're looking for and just have team success because the rest of your roster is so much weaker because you just don't have the available resources to spend. 
And those three things all get mixed together. So if you see Russ on the floor and he's struggling and he has a, a six for 18, six for 20 shooting night with five turnovers and he's hit the side of the backboard or he's missed when Russ makes mistakes, they're typically very loud mistakes, you know, missed, missed layups, uh, just bricked threes and, and things, things like that. Those are the things that stand out to fans and they can be upsetting when they're seeing them happen right, right in front of them. And then you add in the contract and the frustration grows and all that stuff about how great he is and what a great guy he is tends to get unfortunately overlooked because of those two aspects there. And it's sometimes it can be hard to separate Russ, the player from the contract. And so all those things kind of just slam together and create this, this mess of a situation. I, that's why I think it's much better or will be much better with the Clippers because he's going to be on a, he's on a minimum contract. And so you no longer have this problem of, well, we couldn't build out a roster because of Russ's contract. That's not Russ's fault, but the frustration still gets directed towards him. And that, that was, you know, one of the unfortunate parts of the whole situation. The game last season when fans were audibly yelling, don't shoot was against the Knicks. Um, It was part of a, (laughs) ironically, uh, that was a bit of a come to Jesus moment um, and and an inflection point for the Knicks season as well. They blew a 20 point lead. Malik Monk went off in the second half and it just seemed like the Knicks were going to run the same substitution pattern that they have throughout the last couple weeks of blowing big leads. And while on the Knicks side, it was like, all right, what is Tom Thibodeau doing and led to like all of us in a bit of a civil war. I then had to notice on the other side, his home fans are yelling at him not to shoot the basketball mm-hmm. on like wide open jump shots too. So as much as I, I felt for him, you're right. The other two portions of the conversation, the, the contract part and just like the basketball fit part. Um, yeah, made it probably an unenjoyable, like you said, the most unenjoyable season in Lakers history. As a result of him going to the Clippers, do Laker fans have April 5th circled on their calendars? That's the next time they they play the Clippers? No, I mean, every, they're okay. right now Lakers fans are living and dying with every single game. You know, okay. I mean, everybody's watching the standings and all that kind of stuff. And there's no, I, there's no resentment towards Russ from, from Lakers fans or anything okay. like, like he's, he's gone. Nobody's, nobody's upset with him. Now people were upset with the, with the situation. Um, well, I shouldn't say there's no, there were some Russ haters within the Lakers fan base and all of that. There were also the Russ stands that, that were coming out of the woodworks and, and, and all that. But um, yeah, I don't think that anybody wishes Russ ill from what I've seen. Most people are, are, you know, I think if he was with a team other than the Clippers, there would be a lot more people pulling for, for him. Uh, the fact that he's with the Clippers makes it difficult for Lakers fans to, to get behind him and wish him success. But this, everybody knows that, look, he's a good guy. It wasn't a good fit. The contract was a problem. It didn't work out. And it was frustrating when he was with the Lakers. Cause it felt like they were kind of stuck. It was a bad fit. The contract was bad. It, it was a mess. Um, now that they've moved on, it's, you know, Hey, look, he was in a tough spot too. And and most people want to see him have success. And I think you would see even more of an outpouring of that from Lakers fans. If he was with just about any other, any other team, but they can't root for success for the Clippers. So two things before I let you go and you've been great with your time and I really appreciate it. LeBron's relationship with Lakers fans and like he did win them a title, especially with what happened to Kobe and that season and how emotional all of that must have felt yet in the pandemic portion of it. So he's a a Laker champion. Um, 
I mean, a lot of people have him in the top three of all time um, as far as basketball rankings are concerned. The night that he broke the record was, weirdly enough, while he won a title in L.A., I actually thought that was like, like in New York, we have like the earning your your pinstripes thing. That was weirdly like earning his purple and gold that night while also like winning a title was like did happen, you know? Um, what is his relationship to Lakers fans? Do they appreciate him as one of the all-time great Lakers, or is it kind of like uh, a, a, an arranged marriage where it's like, I work here, I understand there's great history going on, but like the Lakers and all of their all-time greats—Kareem, Kobe, Shaq, you name it—Magic—that um, they they matter a little bit more because they've been they were there for much longer. Yeah, I mean LeBron's the. the- so Lakers fans were probably 50-50 when LeBron decided to come to L.A. on whether or not they wanted him in L.A. Really? Because at that point, it was still very much Kobe versus LeBron, right? People, people were still, because you know, they've been having those arguments for a decade, right? Mm-hmm. And so people were very entrenched. Kobe's better than LeBron because da-da-da-da-da, right? All these things. And so and suddenly LeBron's a Laker and it's like, Wait, wait, um, wait, we've been, we've been, we've been tearing this guy down for a decade, right? Talking about why Kobe's better and then bringing up faults of, of LeBron. And now suddenly LeBron's a Laker. How do you reconcile that? So it was probably about 50, 50. Um, obviously that changes as soon as he steps on the floor and he's scoring baskets for your team and all that. I personally thought that the moment when, when Kobe passed and, uh, LeBron gave the speech that he gave at, at Staples center, like that was that was the moment I think that he truly became a, a Laker that, that everybody just about, you know, accepted him. But the, the problem that LeBron has with Lakers fans is something he can never fix. And that's that he's not Kobe. Mm. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing he can ever do to change that. There's nothing he can do from here on out to, to fix that. Kobe played in LA for 20 years. Um, that kind of equity just simply isn't going to be, isn't going to be matched. And so there's that right where LeBron's always held up to that. state. If LeBron doesn't take the shot at the end of the game, well, Kobe would have taken that shot. If LeBron sits Mm -hmm. out, Kobe would have played through that injury, right? He's constantly being compared to Kobe. And that's not a, that's not a battle he can win. Um, So that's the, that's the the downside, but I will say there's, you know, a lot of fans that that do appreciate LeBron. They, they, um, they enjoy seeing him play in, in LA. He's definitely felt more like a Laker. It's not the same as if he came when he was 19 or something like that and, and stayed for his whole career. It's definitely not the same as, as that. But I think the acceptance, the appreciation for LeBron is going to be, you know, unfortunately, this is the way it goes. It's going to be all the, all the much greater when he eventually, when he does retire. Then there's, you know, you're going to see more of the, oh, I remember how great LeBron was and that kind of stuff. Cause sometimes we can be, you know, prisoners of the moment. But that's the, that's the unfortunate reality for LeBron is simply that he's, he's not Kobe. And that's not going to be something that he'll ever be able to, to overcome among the LA fan base. He's not going to be, you know, brought in the way that, that Kobe was. So, um, Again, Lakers fans don't hate him or anything like that. They they like him. They, it's great. It's great when you see him play and he's doing fantastic things for the the team. And he he's an absolutely incredible talent. He may be the greatest ever. I don't know. He's he's amazing, but he isn't. He's kind of stuck in in Kobe's shadow in L.A. And I think that's always gonna gonna be there for him. Yeah. The well, first of all, do you think that they'll retire his number one day? Yeah, I think they will. 
I, okay. I think they will. Um, I think that'll happen. I think it's going to be a, you know, not only did he, did he win a championship, but he passes Kareem's all-time scoring record as a, as a Laker. And, you know, and just beyond that, like he's one of what worst case he's the second greatest player of all time. Right. So uh, to have that, num- that name, that number up in your rafters, that means something as well. And he's done some great things as a, as a Laker. So I, I think they will. Yeah, indeed. Retire his number. Uh, we were talking about this the other day. I'm assuming they'll retire number 23 because with Bill Russell, you don't have to retire. Right. Six. So I'm guessing that's probably what will happen. Yeah. The, the, the fascinating thing about that, you're not him type of deal is like here in New York. I'm a Mets fan, so I've, I do not have this problem, but there are Yankee fans in my life that because Aaron judge has not won a world series, they're mm-hmm. like, there's still an edge against him. Like you're, you're great. And that, home run record last season was awesome, but you're not Derek Jeter. You know, right. like there's, there's, it might actually argue that Aaron judges had a better season than Derek Jeter ever had last year. And yet like the, because the season ended in a sweep in the ALCS, it's like, well, Derek Jeter would have gotten to the world series. Derek yeah. Jeter would have had a great regular season and a great postseason. would have gotten every big yeah. hit and every big moment. And I can understand that type of shadow that you have to live in. And um, yeah, it's look the, the Lakers in a in a storied franchise that they the, the moments that they've had um, as a big fan of Jeff Perlman, both Laker books are just outstanding to yes. me. And uh, yeah, I I'm I always know that when the Knicks are going to Crypto.com, or, can I just ask that? <laughs> do Laker so fans weird. call it that, <laughs> even though it's I like mean, most people still staples. call it. Yeah, most people still call it Staples, and okay. or if we do, it's like the Staples. Oh, I mean Crypto.com. You know, right, still right. Up with with all that. Yeah, like if Yankee Stadium suddenly was like, I don't know, like Chase Field, you know, I think there is something yeah. called a Chase Field, and it's like, no, that's Yankee Stadium. Wait a minute, like we're not, we're we're not we're we're calling it what we always called it, you know. Um, I would just be a, a lot of time to get used to. Last question: I like to get people's perspective on what they think of the Knicks with my last mm-hmm. uh, inquiry, and obviously, there's the Julius Randall piece of it all. Yeah. Um, the former Laker. And did, did you ever think that he would be this? And then just your overall, overall thoughts from afar of the season that the Knicks have had and what they're doing with uh, the team that they have. Yeah. So I've been, I've long been a resident of Randall Island as it's, mm. as it's known. Um, I, I was a, a believer of his. I thought there was a path for him to have success in the NBA. There were a lot of questions around him uh, when he was being drafted, about you know, whether or not he would ever be able to become a, a modern power forward in the, in the NBA. And he's been, been uh, largely fantastic, right? I mean, he's done some incredible things that he has for shooting nights and, and things like that. But uh, there were real question marks about, can this guy who doesn't block a ton of shots, doesn't shoot particularly well from outside, how is he going to manage to fit in today's NBA when bully ball is his primary weapon? Is he really going to be able to do that against NBA players? And he's carved out a real nice career um, for himself. I remember being you know upset when the Lakers said, hey, you're a restricted free agent. Oh, you don't want to be a restricted free agent? Oh, okay, cool. You can be unrestricted. See you later. Um, and they they let him go. But the the Knicks in in general have been a lot of fun this year. You know, they had the the recent win. Obviously, they've, they've lost a few games in a row here, but the re- recent winning streak was a lot of fun to cover, especially beating the Celtics. Like that was, mm-hmm. of course, something Lakers fans were, were paying attention to. Uh, Jalen Brunson, the way that he's been playing has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, he is just an, uh, a blast to watch play the way he manipulates a, a basketball game. 
And and I like Mitchell Robinson, just the activity level that he's got on the boards. He's he's always one of my favorites to tune in and watch. Um, he was one of the guys that we were hoping the Lakers would draft in in that draft. And uh, and his just the the energy level, just the the impact that he makes on the glass is always a, it's going to be a pain to watch it when the Lakers play the Knicks. But um, he's a lot of fun, too. So we've been watching this Knicks season and just saying, yeah, you know what? There's something here for this team. Maybe they do wind up making some kind of big move this summer or something like that. They make that move to go all in and get somebody else in. But it feels like there's the makings here of a really, really good team that could give anybody a tough night come the postseason. Yeah, it's interesting hearing you say all this because you're 100% right and all of the praise that you just gave is warranted. And the vibes that existed four days ago would have matched exactly the evaluation that you gave of the team. Um, The Jalen Brunson injury has kind of... Kids that are watching this, just, I guess, cover your ears. Um, It's kind of been like Santa's not real and this season is like what is it going to be now? It's just last year all over again where teams just have to load up on Randall. Like Ty Lue, hearing hearing his press conference after the game today and how their main focus was like to switch up coverages on Randall, make him really have to work for every shot, frustrate him. Like he's a very emotional player. So on the court, you you just kind of wait for the the ticking time bomb to go off if you, you know, frustrate him enough. And it kind of played right into their hands. And I worry about that against a a smart, really good defensive Laker team with a really good defensive head coach. And that's like the biggest fear I have with this matchup. If Jalen Brunson were playing, I got to be honest, and I'm, I'm not, I hope I'm not being a homer here. I think the Knicks would be coming into this Laker game on a 12 game winning streak. That's Mm -hmm. how good they were playing. That's how good he's been. And this injury has just kind of let the let all the air out of the balloon. So I'm I'm curious how this matchup goes. Um, I guess my last and final question: uh, What are you curious about in this matchup? And are you expecting this is with the Jalen Brunson injury and with everything I just told you yeah. about the current state of the team? Um, is this the game the Lakers get to 500? Well, it's the second night of a back to back for the Knicks. I know that Lakers fans are hoping that the Knicks tonight live it up in LA, go out, have a great night on the town. Um, LA loss. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But, but um, we're, we're looking at, at this matchup. I look at, you know, our our buddy, Julius Randall. I I wonder Jared Vanderbilt, not as big, not as strong. What can he do defensively with Randall? I think that's going to be a real key matchup. Like you said, without Brunson, Randall becomes a a bit more of the, the focal point, certainly, but the, for the Lakers side, and this is probably true of every fan base, right? But every, we, we always think, okay, who is random role player X that's going to blow up for a season high game against the Lakers this time. Right. Hmm. So we're, we're keeping eye. Is it going to, who is it going to be that just has a crazy shooting night and and does these great things against the Lakers? So that's going to be something we're going to be watching out for. Who is it that gets hot? Um, This would be the second game in a row where somebody has shot extremely poorly against the Clippers and then potentially had a bounce back against the Lakers. The Raptors were red hot. I don't know how the Lakers pulled that one off. Um, We'll see what the Knicks look like there, but uh, and then defensively, RJ Barrett, what do the Lakers do there? Without LeBron, their wing depth, which is already thin, uh, becomes even thinner. So how do they handle defending him? That's another thing we'll be keeping an eye on um, in this game. But, it, you know, it should be a fun one. It's I always love getting to see Julius come back. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I wish I wish Brunson was playing because he is so, so great. And you, you always hate to see players out due to injury. But fingers crossed. Is there is there optimism that he'll be back? 
sometime soon. So he did get a good evaluation on, I guess, an X-ray that it's there's nothing broken. There's it's yeah. like soft. It's a it's a bone bruise is what it sounds like, and that it's just a sore foot. He hurt it last Friday against Miami, and during the game. Like w- watching the injury live, he left in the middle of the third quarter. We all held our collective breath. And when he came back in the fourth and played the rest of the game, my immediate thought was like the next morning when the adrenaline wears off and that thing yeah. swells up, we're not going to see him on Sunday against the Celtics. And that's what happened. He comes back on Thursday against the Kings, aggravates it. And I think this is now when they're starting to look at this as like, okay, we tried to get him back sooner. It was it was way too soon. And this is like a Tom Thibodeau coach team. So there's no like minutes restriction on a Jalen Brunson. Right, yeah. So it was like, I honestly think that this is headed toward him taking the rest of the road trip off. They play against the Lakers on Sunday and then in Portland on Tuesday. Then they have three days off before their next game at home next Saturday against Jokic and the Nuggets. So I think best case scenario... They just give him the full week and he's back on Sunday against again. Again, that's that matinee against the Nuggets or they give him that off and he gets an extra couple days. And then it's a Monday night game against Minnesota. And then he's got 10 games in the next schedule actually lightens up. It's 10. Their final 11 yeah. games are over a 27 day span. So they can actually like manage some injuries and some nicked up players that uh, that probably could use a day off or two. Julius Randle being one of them. I think he's kind of running on fumes. So that's that might come into play on the second night of a back-to-back in LA. Um, Trevor, you've been outstanding with your time. I just on a personal note, yeah. um, the Laker game happening the same night as the Oscars, is that weird that Hollywood just like kind of just like punted and we're like, we're not even going to try anymore. Schedule a Laker game the night of the Oscars. <laughs> no one's going to watch anyway. Like I feel bad because I'm a huge cinephile and this is like one of my favorite nights of the year. And I, I have to work like the Knicks are playing against the Lakers. So it's like <laughs> at the end of the day, I kind of, the Knicks are going to be on the iPad, but like, I, is it weird that there's the, the what's supposed to be like LA shuts down for the Oscars, but also the Lakers are playing the Knicks on the same night across town. You're, I'll, I'll be totally honest. I'm the wrong guy to ask. I had no okay. idea the Oscars were even the Oscars on that night. Honesty, I, there you go. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I pay. I paid no attention to to any any of that stuff. So I I did not realize that was the case. So I can't even tell you if that's if that's abnormal or not. Just because it's just not not my thing. So unfortunately, I'm not I'm not much uh, help mm. there. The night that Spike Lee won his Oscar for Black Klansman, the Knicks played, but it was in New York, and they were. This was the scene of the season they won seventeen games, so it didn't matter as much. But like midway through the ceremony, Sam Jackson came up for to present the, an award and was like, "Just wanted to give an update. The Knicks won tonight," and like told Spike <laughs> Lee that, just like giving you though the Knicks beat the Spurs one thirty to one eighteen, and just. Had just FYI, Spike. It's looking like it's your night tonight, um, which oh, is one of the oh. seventeen times that they won. Um, Spike well, had a rough, a rough day today. I mean, those, yeah, those he was at the Lakers. Well, I guess Palmer. he's there for the Oscars, which is why right. he was at the. You know what? I bet you, if you asked, gave a lie detector test, where would Spike rather be tomorrow night? The Laker oh, game sure. that gets yeah. the Knicks or the Oscars? <laughs> He'd rather be at the game. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, um, on Hollywood's biggest night, um, while well, most of. My, well, me and my select few will be watching some of the uh, Hollywood awards be given out. Most people listening to this will be watching this matchup between two of the more popular teams on the planet. And Trevor, thank you so much for joining me to talk all about it and help me preview this game. Before you go, please tell everybody where they can find you and all the things you do with Lakers Nation. 
Sure. Yeah. You can find most of my work over at the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. We do videos there every single day on, on the Lakers breaking everything down. Uh, the Lakers Nation podcast, of course, the, the podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Uh, our written work is over at LakersNation.com. And then if you want to find me personally, I'm, I'm at Trevor underscore Lane over on Twitter at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram. Trevor, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. One more time, a big thank you to Trevor for coming on today's pod and helping me preview this matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers. So in the interest of humility, the KFS bump that I always ask you guys to do, um, I am fully self-aware that Lakers Nation is so much bigger than Nick's film school. We could probably use the Lakers Nation bump, to be completely honest. So go tweet at Trevor, tweet at Lakers Nation, like loved you on the at Nick's film school podcast. Um, that honestly would help more than anything else if we're sending you to any type of call to action. Um, but just thank you to Trevor. That was a fun conversation to hear about what's going on in Lakerland. And look, as far as this matchup is concerned, I wish I could tell you I was going into it with a ton of confidence. But the one thing that I'll, I'll I didn't push back on the pod, but I'll, I'll say this about like the Knicks enjoying the night in L.A. because they're there for two days and how some teams are susceptible to that. This is where I I think this team has been able to master that. Like they, they spent a Friday night in Miami. Um, and they had a day off beforehand. Um, and they looked they looked like gangbusters in the first half. They they were up 17 early on against the Heat. Um, and then like uh, this team just has never looked unprepared. At least it's, if they have, it's been very few and far apart since they shortened the rotation. And I gotta say, the one of the last things I'm concerned about is them enjoying Los Angeles for a night. Uh, it's very much where they're going to run out of gas again in the fourth quarter. And this Lakers team, I am taking some solace in the fact that they are not perfect. They are very flawed. And while Anthony Davis will be the best player on the floor, he will have to sit a few times. And like it, he only scored eight points the other night. So I'm, I'm here for a team that has never seemed to lack effort. Um, being able to pull off a victory and and surprise all of us as they've surprised us over and over again this season. Regardless of what happens, Mr. Macri will be on the post game on Sunday night, recapping all of this with all of you. Hopefully it's a W and hopefully we can get back to our winning ways and get those vibes back. As far as I'm concerned, that'll do it for me. If you dig this show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. Pour one out for Robert Cross. The Knicks are officially unable to win 53 games, but uh, to all of you, like Robert, like uh, all of you that uh, support us uh, continuously, seriously, as I said at the top, it means the world, and it is gives us a reason to keep doing this uh, as hard as we do. So um, thank you for that. I'll be back on Tuesday with a pregame pod of the Blazers game cannot wait to have another cam reddish conversation but until next time thank you for listening enjoy the game tonight and i will speak with you soon peace